0: Those are the best years when John was here, and we're very grateful for him. Hi, my name is Dave. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from PTSD, pornography, and relying on alcohol for comfort. Dave. It's great to be with you tonight. I'm so glad to be here. I'm really glad you're here. I'm glad we're here together because I need Jesus. And I need, you to help me to point, uh, I need you to help me in pointing me to him. Tonight we're going to begin a brand new series in the book of Proverbs focusing in on wisdom. If you have a Bible, let me encourage you to turn to Proverbs chapter 9. We're going to look at verse 10. And while I'm introducing that text to you, Proverbs is about wisdom. Through in and throughout Proverbs, we talk about the subject of wisdom. Wisdom is presented to us as something that's incredibly valuable. It's more worth, it's more, it, it has more worth than gold. We're to pursue it like a treasure. Sometimes in the book of Proverbs, for, for the men in the audience, it's presented as a woman you should marry. And so Proverbs has this idea that wisdom is incredibly valuable to us. And I wanna give you a working definition of Proverbs, of, of rather wisdom tonight. Wisdom is living God's way in God's world. Wisdom is about making a choice to live in God's way, in God's world. And I'm guessing that's why we're here tonight. But I want you to also see tonight that that wisdom has a beginning point. Wisdom has a starting place. And we find the starting place of wisdom at the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus is actually referred to as God's wisdom. And so if we're gonna begin at the beginning of wisdom, we need to begin with the story of God through Jesus. And in order to do that, I wanna take you to, uh, let me read Proverbs 9:10, and then we'll jump into, uh, another, another book, um, in the New Testament. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The beginning place of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. I, I don't know about you, but is there anybody else in the room tonight that that makes a little bit uncomfortable? Uh, oh, the fear, fear, fear is a four letter word in our culture. And uh, maybe you're like me, you struggle with fear in an unhealthy way. Maybe you're even here at Region because you are seeking to recover from fear. So I want to ask a real simple question and answer it in the next few minutes we have together. Here's my question. How can the fear of the Lord help us in recovery? How is it possible that fearing the Lord could help us in recovery? Now, now let's move to the New Testament. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 John chapter 4, all the way towards the end of the New Testament. We're going to read the words of a disciple of Jesus, the disciple who said Jesus liked him best among all the disciples, probably the closest friend that Jesus had on the earth. He pins these words inspired by the Holy Spirit. and He's going to give us some boundaries to what it means to fear the Lord. So 1 John 4, verse 10. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us us, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Come all the way down to verse 18 with me. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Two things I want to point out to you about God's love. First thing I want you to see is God initiates love. That's good news, isn't it? Doesn't that give you a sense of security, a sense of permanence? If love issues from God towards us, then the love that God has for us is as secure and steady and stable as as he is. There's also a second concept here that I don't want you to miss, and that is that the love that God initiates towards us is active. It's not passive. It's not theoretical. It's not philosophical. Actually, the love God has for us has flesh and blood. His name is Jesus. God sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Here's the idea the the Bible presents of God. God is a triune God. Three persons, co-equal, co-eternal, co-worthy of worship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father sends God the Son on a rescue mission. God the Son, eternally God, becomes a human being. Fully man, fully God at the same time. His name is Jesus, Jesus. He lives the perfect life you and I can't live. Then he goes to the cross, innocent, blameless, and he dies a death that we all deserve to die. He dies in your place and in my place. He dies in our place, but the news gets even better. The grave can't contain him. We celebrated this last week. He raises physically, bodily from the grave. He's at the right hand of God the Father, and one day he'll return and he'll rule forever. And what this text is telling us is that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. One of the things that Jesus achieves on the cross is he receives on his person the wrath that you and I deserve because of our sin. And the love that God loves us with is a perfect love. So when we talk about what does it mean to fear the Lord, there's many components to that, but one thing that's absent for those of us who are Christians is when we fear the Lord, we don't fear that he will punish us because of who Jesus is and what he did. Everyone fears the Lord that we see in the Bible. Everyone does, even this very John, who is Jesus' closest friend on the earth. When he sees Jesus in the book of Revelation, in his full glory, in his resurrected state, he falls to the ground, he says, it's a dead man. To be in the presence of God is to be in a terrifying place because God is completely perfect, you and I aren't. God is, has absolute power, you and I are not, we're powerless. So to be in the presence of God is, a, is an awe-inspiring, trembling experience. And the Bible presents that there's two ways to fear God. One is ungodly and unhealthy and unhelpful, one is godly and righteous and good. So let's differentiate between those two fears tonight. Let me give you two examples from the two most important people in the Bible. Let's start with the second most important person first. Let me give you the example of Adam. You familiar with Adam's story? Adam was the very first man created along with Eve, The very first woman. Adam was created in paradise. He was in perfect relationship with God, enjoying intimate fellowship with God. And Adam and Eve do the very thing, the only thing God tells them not to do, and they sin. And they rebel. And their eyes are opened to what they've done. Adam is suddenly afraid of God. What does he do? He runs and hides. He actually attempts to cover up the vulnerability of his nakedness before God. And so we see Adam responding in fear to God in a very unhealthy way. Adam fears punishment and he runs from God in self-preservation, which leads to his slavery. And you and I inherit the sin and the slavery to sin through our father, Adam. How will you respond to fear in God? Now, let me give you a good example, the best example that there is. Let's look at what Jesus does in the very same circumstance. Jesus is innocent. Jesus is fully pleasing to God the Father, and yet we find Jesus the night before his execution in a garden, just like Adam. And Jesus, the innocent one, the blameless one, is looking down the quarter of time and what's gonna happen for the next day for him and he sees that he's going to take upon himself the innocent one, the blameless one, the one without sin, he's gonna take upon himself the sin of the world and he is going to face punishment and he's going to face the wrath of his father. And I want you to see how Jesus responds in such a different way. He's in fear. He's in sorrow. He's in anguish to the point that it says he's literally sweating blood. I've experienced a lot of fear and anxiety and sorrow in my life, but nothing like that. But Jesus, unlike Adam, doesn't run from God. He runs to his father. And he doesn't attempt to self-preserve. He surrenders to the father. And his surrender to the father and going to the cross in our place and bearing upon himself the wrath of God for you and for me leads our freedom. Jesus prays in that vulnerable moment to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. We all fear God. Some of us tonight are fearing God in an unhealthy way, facing God with our sin and our suffering and our brokenness. Much like Adam, we run from God and we seek to preserve ourselves and we hide away. But I want you to see something about Jesus. Jesus isn't merely our example. He is that but he's much more. Jesus isn't just a model for us. He is the means by which you and I can run to God even as we fear God and respect God and tremble at the sight of God. You and I can run to God with our sin and our suffering because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. We run to God in fear, but in our fear, we don't fear being punished. We see a God who loves us and he accepts us. And he's pleased with us because of the person and work of Jesus. Here's the question we began with tonight. How can the fear of the Lord help us in our recovery? How can we have biblical wisdom as we think about our sin and our suffering? Here's my answer to this question. The fear of the Lord compels us to run to God with our sin and our suffering. To rightfully fear the Lord, to fear the Lord in a healthy way means we don't run from him as we sin and as we suffer, but instead we run to him knowing that because of Jesus, he accepts us and he's not going to punish us. Where are you tonight? As I shared earlier, I've been recovering from PTSD and my most recent level of trauma had to do with my youngest of four daughters, Jillian. Four years ago, Jillian at 20 years of age was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And I remember Karen and I getting the news from her doctor early in the morning. Jillian was still asleep upstairs. We, we went into her room, we woke her up. She had that terrified look on her face, like, what did I do? And I kind of want to say, well, why, why don't you tell us? But I didn't do that. We said to her, honey, you have cancer. The day before, she had bought an old Volkswagen Passat and she just began to cry and she said, but I just bought a car. I gotta be candid with you, I was afraid. I was afraid we might lose her. I was afraid of all that she was going to have to suffer in order to get better. I was afraid that we weren't gonna have the financial resources that we needed to be able to provide for her the best care. But you know what I was afraid of the most? I was afraid of God. I was afraid that God was punishing me in my suffering for my sin. And I had a very specific sin in mind. Two years prior to this experience with Jillian, I was a part of one of the most epic church failures in modern history. I was a part of a dysfunctional leadership team that caused a lot of people a lot of hurt and anguish. It caused other churches to suffer. And I believe we damaged the reputation of Jesus and I began to connect the dots. I was struggling with the thought that God was punishing my daughter because of my sin and my foolishness, and I had a decision to make. Was I going to run away from God like Adam and hide? Or in the midst of my suffering, was I going to run to him? I prayed the most important prayer I ever prayed. I prayed this prayer over and over again. I'm sure you have too. I simply prayed the prayer, Jesus, help me. I don't want to run away. Help me. I chose the path of wisdom, which means I had to perceive my situation from the perspective of the cross. And according to the cross of Jesus, God wasn't punishing me because Jesus bore the wrath of God entirely for all the sin I would ever commit. And by the grace of God, I believe that God was for me. And I asked Jesus simply help me And he did, and he has. Jillian now is almost three years cancer-free. She may have she has one more. Yeah, that's thank you. That's great. Thank you. She she has one more oncology appointment, and then she'll be clear. Jesus did that, but he did so much more. He did more important things. Here's what he did. He made a way for me to run to God in my suffering. And I'm growing in my ability to trust God. I'm growing in my ability to understand that when I sin, I can run to God. I don't have to run from him. When I'm suffering at the hands of evil things that others have done to me, and perhaps that's where you are tonight, I can run to God knowing that he's not against me, he's for me. Because of Jesus, even in the midst of my brokenness and my sin, he loves me and he accepts me because Jesus on the cross bore the punishment I deserve to have. How about you? What are we gonna do with this truth? I wanna encourage you tonight to do things, two things that are in our steps. First thing I want you to do is I want you to repent. If you're a follower of Jesus tonight, I want you to repent of your sin. I want you to repent for believing Satan's lies about you. To repent simply means that you have heartfelt sorrow and you renounce your sin. And you renounce believing lies. And I want you to repent means to turn from going one direction into the opposite. I want you to repent from your sin and I want you to run to God in Jesus. Trust Jesus. That's step three in our steps. Christian, will you do that tonight? Will you run to God with your sin and your suffering, trusting that Jesus is there to help you? If you're not a Christian tonight, I am so Glad you're here. So thankful that you've come. I want to let you know tonight though, because I love you and care for you, that your fear is a slightly different fear. Apart from Jesus, you're one breath away from experiencing the full wrath of God. That's the bad news. Here's the great news. But God extends his love to you. God is initiating his love towards you. God has given a love towards you that's an action that's specific. God has made a way for you to come to him with your sin, to be forgiven, to be freed. Why not tonight? Why not turn to him tonight? Why not stop your running away from him like Adam and turn and trust him in the name of Jesus and experience the righteousness that Jesus has once and for all? So glad you're here tonight. I wanna encourage you, if you want to come to know Jesus, to talk to anyone in the room tonight and someone can help you. Find a leader, find someone wearing a region name tag and they'd be more than happy to tell you how to know Jesus. I'm so glad to be with you tonight. I need Jesus. I need you to help me, point me to Jesus and I wanna help you. I'm gonna invite... Margaret to come up now and she's going to tell the story of her new life in Christ. Margaret.